everyone like the reviews i mean not that i really care because it's monster high so i would have watched it regardless but everyone was just like i expected this to be really bad and it was actually kind of good and i was like great i'm yeah. so ready because i was really upset the way they kind of went off the handles with it before but if it's good i'm i can't wait i can't wait yeah and i think it's a musical oh fabulous yeah <laughs> um which the last time i did a musical just had me rolling because it was so ridiculous <laughs> Hello, and welcome to OK But Hear Me Out, a healthy conversation podcast about our favorite fandoms and latest obsessions. I'm your host, Cassie. And I'm Lisa. And on this podcast, our friends and I will be trying to convince each other to dive into our latest favorites. This podcast is mostly geared towards anime and manga. <laughs> However... We have other many not-so-guilty pleasures that we are happy to share, such as today. Yes, sorry. That long pause, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I remembered. I was just, my brain didn't catch up. But I was like, this is my, I'm literally just like, this is where I say it. This is where I say it. <laughs> oh, I should probably say it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a joke forever. <laughs> forever. Forever. You, you know, with my theater degree, you would think I would know my lines. You would think, right? You would think. No, you're not off script yet. Apparently, it's only been two months. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, maybe I should have said off book. Anyway, Whatever. we have a rule. I know my theater terminology. We have a rule. There's only one rule. And it is that our feelings are canon. Meaning that our feelings are real to us. So we should not bash others for having ones that are different than yours. We should respect each other, their opinions. This is meant to be a healthy conversation podcast, not a shaming, arguing, or belittling podcast. So if you have a problem with that, you and your negativity can leave. Yep. Goodbye. <laughs> now that we know the rule of the podcast, let's start the conversation. So I'm going to go first this time, and I'm going to be talking about Almost There, which is a twisted tale about Tiana, who is the princess and the frog. Woo. I'm going to talk about The Night Circus, which is a fantasy book. Awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're going to get into that a little bit more because I have not read your book, but I have it on my list specifically because you say that it's like one of your favorite books. Yeah. And I haven't read yours either, but I want to because I love the author. I've read her books before. And also Tiana's one of my favorite princesses. Yes, 100%. Tiana mm -hmm. is one of my two favorite princesses. <laughs> I love her so much. And I have not. So I actually on my list, on my TBR, I actually have several of the Twisted Tales. I actually own three other Twisted Tales. I have not read any of them. Wow. Uh, yeah, but true we, I know <laughs> <laughs> buying books you haven't read. Listen, I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be a great book. Oh, I'll just add it to the TBR list, put it on the shelf. My forever and never ending TBR list. <laughs> yep. So I, uh, yeah, I bought it because obviously Tiana is one of my favorite ones. And you said that you really liked this author, and I was like, cool. I'm just gonna. And this series is coming up. I should tell the audience, the listeners, if you will, that I was going to read a different book. And I did, in fact, read a different book. But it didn't 
excite me so much that I like there was concepts in it that I absolutely loved, but I had a lot of issues with the not the ending, but like towards the ending. And it just didn't like make me want to rant about it. So I told Lisa we should push this back so I could find a different book, which was tricky because I don't have a lot of time to read. Mm -hmm. And this book was like 450 pages. So it did take me some time (laughs) to get through it. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about my summary of Almost There by Farah Roshan. I'm not sure how to say her last name. Their last name. I don't know what their pronouns are. I think it's she, her. Okay. Farah, Roshan, she, her. So I just basically used the summary from the book because I thought that would be more eloquent than me trying to make up a summary. Mm -hmm. So summary from the book. Sometimes life in the Big Easy is tough. No one knows that better than Tiana, though she also believes that hard work can go a long way. But when the notorious Dr. Facilier backs her into a corner, she has no other choice but to accept an offer that will alter the course of her life in an instant. Soon, Tiana finds herself in a new reality where all her deepest desires are realized. She finally gets her restaurant, her friends are safe and sound, and most miraculous of all, her beloved father is still alive! Yay! She's got, I know. (laughs) We'll get to that. She's got everything she's ever wanted. But after a while, her hometown grows increasingly eerie, with new threats cropping up from unlikely places. Navigating through this strange New Orleans... Oh, goodness. Navigating through this strange new New Orleans... (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Tiana must work alongside Naveen and Charlotte to set things right or risk losing everything she holds dear. So that is the summary. And I will say, going into this book, I expected it because, you know, all the Twisted Tales have, like, the the like the post, not the post, like, the tagline, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, this one, I believe, is what if Tiana made a deal with Dr. Facilier, with the Shadow Man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going into this book that she's going to make the deal. It's just, like, waiting for it to happen. <laughs> not really. It happens in, like, the second chapter, but it's just one of those things. So I'm going to get to my talking points because I don't want to bounce around too much because then I'm just going to repeat myself. Hmm. So we were talking about the writing, and I think uh, this is pretty pretty prevalent in the prologue because it really builds onto the existing story that – so, like, essentially whenever she makes that decision, like, from the opposite one that she makes in the movie, it kind of leaves no room to wonder why she made that decision because the prologue builds on the story. And the prologue is essentially like it starts when she's like a little girl and it goes like it kind of jumps around as she gets older and older. And it talks about like, you know, her mom and her dad and like, you know, her making gumbo and things like that. And then it talks about like the day that her father passed away whenever because he was like in the army. Yeah. And it talks about like the day that they her and her mom were sitting at the table and then they get a knock on the door. And that's when they find out that her father passed. So it really kind of builds a little bit more emotionally onto the characters. So that way in like the second chapter or whatever, when she makes that deal with Facilier, it it helps you understand it a little bit more and it gives it more grounds for her to make that decision. Especially because like it's so the, the start of the book is that graveyard scene when she has the amulet and he's trying to convince her to give her to give like to give him the amulet 
mm-hmm. he is a lot more cruel as well and he threatens her in a lot in different ways than he did and he doesn't try to con- he does try to convince her kind of in the same way the movie but he's a lot more cruel about it so again when she makes that decision you don't really question like why would Tiana knowing who Tiana is as a character why would she make that decision it really builds that so that when she makes that decision you don't be like oh she would never do that you know yeah so my second talking point is about the the style I guess of the book itself well I start I should back up I started talking about the way that she writes and I will just say again from the prologue I was like wow I really like the way she writes because it's like detailed and yet somehow simple Uh uh-huh and it's very enticing, and I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, I've had the same similar experience when I read her her rom coms. Yeah, I'm excited. I kind of want to read other things that she has because it was really I really like the way she wrote this book. Mm. But moving on to my other talking point is the book, the way like the style of the book. It's sw- it does that thing where it like switches perspectives yeah, between chapters. Yeah, and I really like that. And I've always kind of liked stories that do that because you know we see how like each of the characters is reacting but to the same set of circumstances and you get to see what they're thinking and in this book it doesn't switch like every chapter because most of the time it's from Tiana's perspective but we do see what each character is going through what's going through their minds and it kind of I think the reason I like this is because it kind of gives me the same vibes as like a manga or an anime where you can kind of switch around to which character you're focusing on mm-hmm. and I really like that and that's kind mm-hmm. of how I when I think of stories that's kind of how I quote-unquote write them in my mind is that they're not always from the same person's perspective and so I just really like that And I think a good example of this is I think Naveen's first chapter is super cute. Kind of sad, but super cute. (laughs) Uh, The whole thing with Naveen and Tiana, first of all, makes me upset, but also just would make my heart just so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you why because I don't want to give it away, but I loved it. Their interactions, so cute. Anyway, moving on. So my next point is that when Tiana does inevitably make this deal, it is almost kind of jarring because there is a time skip immediately after she makes that decision. And when that time skip happens, nothing seems to have changed other than, you know, in the summary where it talks about how her father is still alive. So... The reason I feel like that's strong is not just because of the time skip, because nothing has changed, but because that chapter beforehand is from Dr. Facilier's perspective. So knowing what he has, like the plans that he has going through his mind, it really is a great device used by the author to entice the readers to continue because it makes you want to keep reading because you know what Dr. Facilier is thinking. And then there's a time skip and then nothing seems to have changed. So you're like, what is going on? Oh, To add to that, there are, which is also my next point, is that there are little tidbits of information that makes the reader understand that something mysterious is happening. But you don't know what it is because it just keeps building that and keeps like throwing those little tiny details in there. And again, as the audience, especially when things are switching perspectives, there are things that you know that other characters don't know, like Tiana. And so it just is like makes you again, it's almost like a mystery, but not. 
And you're like, what's happening? What's going on? Because like an example of this, like mysterious things happening, there's like this fog that has been present from like the very beginning that's just eerie and just keeps growing thicker. There are like flowers that have meaning, but that are changing. There are people that are like somehow not remembering things. And it's just like these little tiny tidbits that are just like, what is happening? How is this all connected? And for me, because especially because me and my mom love watching like crime shows, mm-hmm. I'm always speculating what's happening. And I do this in my videos a lot. And I think it drives people insane. I'm always speculating what's about to happen or what's going to happen. <laughs> so the whole time I'm reading this book, I'm like, okay, if I could draw this conclusion, then what is happening? What can I conclude from these clues that are happening? So it is like a mystery and yet not a mystery. It's really, really well done. I really like it. And then the title, almost there, as I was reading the book, it seemed to imply that both parties, like Tiana and Dr. Facilier, are so close to what they want throughout the book. And it kind of adds to that intensity because the whole time this book is happening, it's counting down to Mardi Gras because the original, the end of the, if you will, the end of the movie and the start of this book is Mardi Gras day. Uh-huh. And so this is counting down to like a whole year since the last Mardi Gras. So sometimes there'll just be like a little thing at the beginning of the chapters that it'll say Sunday, February, whatever. And then it'll say like three days to Mardi Gras, two days to Mardi Gras. So, you know, something is going down on Mardi Gras because it keeps counting down to it. So I just think that it's again, just really well done for my wrap up points there. I will say as much as I love this book, there is a one part of the story that is seems a little ridiculous to me okay and there is another part that frustrated me so much that I most definitely slammed my book shut I was like Tiana what is wrong with you (laughs) but I will also counter that by saying that the first situation that I think was a little ridiculous did also seem apocalyptic in a way which I think added to the fact that there's been this mysterious fog and it also talks about like the algae coming up out of the swamp or the river or whatever it kind of adds to that ominousness of it so I didn't I wasn't that upset with it even though it did kind of seem unrealistic especially if you think about too that there's like voodoo involved so I was like okay I have to give it some leeway even though it seems kind of ridiculous to me (laughs) I'm not going to talk about what it is again because I don't want to ruin anything yeah but again just the way it adds to it it has made it seem appropriate for whatever was going down at the end of the book because even still not until maybe like I want to say I don't know like the last three or four chapters do you really start to understand what has actually been happening throughout the book so it really is like pulling at you the whole time what is happening and you know because everything is so spiritual and revolves around voodoo that it probably has something to do with that but you don't actually know I love that yeah, it, it really is like it really kept me wondering until like the very end what was happening and mm-hmm. again, the whole time I'm throwing out theories and then they would just throw in a cute little Naveen chapter and like how in love he is with Tiana. And I'm just like, <laughs> I can't again. So it was it was well balanced for me because it had all these serious points 
or serious parts that you're like something is happening or Tiana's not it's like she's a danger things are like not safe but then it would like have these moments with Tiana and Naveen that just like made my heart so happy <laughs> and then it would go back to the so it, it balanced it well for somebody like me <laughs> I need the fluff in between all the serious stuff <laughs> Uh, anyway, my second wrap-up point is that I love that they expanded on Charlotte's character. Yay, Can we talk we about that? I know. I don't care what anybody says because some people give Lottie flack, and I don't understand why because she's literally the bestest friend that Tiana could have ever had. <laughs> and they also – they just didn't – like, they expanded on Charlotte, but they also expanded on her relationship, her friendship with Tiana – I'm not going to go into detail, but there is a part where they are talking and their friendship really seems to strengthen in that moment. And I was in tears. It was so <laughs> good. And my coworker, it was funny because I'm, you know, in the break room or whatever, and I'm reading and I'm just crying because it's so beautiful and magical. <laughs> like, you know how much I love friendship, but like that friendship <laughs> moment was like top tier friendship moment. And I'm crying and she comes in and she's like, well, first she came in and she was like, Hey, um, we need to move. Like we had to move like a company truck. So she's like, okay, we're going to move this company truck, but we're not really in a rush. We had like free time, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Not free time, but we had like extra time in our schedule. So like, even though I was in the break room, she's like, you know what? You can finish your chapter. I understand. Because they're also a lot of our coworkers, my coworkers are bookworms as well. <laughs> so she was like, finish your chapter. We'll move the truck after. And I was like, okay, great. I'll finish this chapter. She comes back in and I'm crying. And she's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, give me a moment. It was just so beautiful. <laughs> and then we went and moved the truck and it was fine. <laughs> So, yes, the friendship moment, the expanding on Charlotte's character was my big one. Like, the, the stuff, the accomplishments that Lottie has in, like, the last chapter of the book just blew me away. I was like, yes, this beautiful friend and a wonderful woman can do amazing things, and I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my, my full rant. I will also say, side note, um... That I didn't put in my notes, but something that I have thought about a lot recently because there's been so many, like, villain novels and, like, stuff from villain perspectives that yeah. from the Dr. Facilier chapters, we do kind of get his perspective a little bit. But I don't think it does that thing that a lot of villain stories are doing where it makes you try to sympathize with him. In some okay. regards, it does because he talks about, like, how his mother was a voodoo practitioner and that she, like, essentially died too soon or whatever but like in some, I guess in that regard it's like oh you want to feel kind of sympathetic but it also will go back and forth or it'll go back to basically how selfish of a person he is and that he'll do anything to get what he wants and he does it like the easy way as opposed to the right way mm -hmm. because there is like voodoo is not evil yeah. A lot of people assume it is evil, but it's not evil, but it can be if you go that route. So I think that it does a good job balancing that without you feeling super sorry for the villain. Cool. So, that yeah. still is also one of my favorite villains, so that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's very well written. <laughs> and it's very well, like, the timing. Again, the way 
she uses those devices to entice you to keep reading because then I don't feel bored because then I'm always curious, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that is my rant on Almost There. Tiana, I will also say for my little resources, I did go to Goodreads. I didn't read any reviews about this book beforehand because I, I even if somebody didn't like it, I still would have read it because Tiana's one of my favorites. But mm-hmm. I went to Goodreads and I was reading some of the reviews and pretty much every review was basically how this is awesome and that this is like the best twisted tale that has been written. Haha, <laughs> Tiana getting the praise she deserves. Exactly. <laughs> so I will have a link to that in the show notes or in the description of this podcast if anybody has any doubts that this book is amazing then you can read those yeah now lisa tell me about the night circus so i will be talking about the night circus as cassie mentioned by erin morgenstern should i say my little blurb or should i read the back of it like you did with yours Whatever you want to do, because I just felt, especially because I'm like fresh off reading this book, that I was going to give away too much if I made my own summary. So I decided to go with the one that's on the book because that also helped me know, like when I was writing out my points, what I could say and what I couldn't say. Because if they talked about like her father being alive, they mentioned that in the summary. Yeah. So I didn't have to worry about skipping around that detail. Okay. My my synopsis is a shorter version of what's behind the book kind of anyway. Okay. But I like how this one's written. I'm going to say mine. <laughs> but I'll, okay. I'll, I'll probably bring in the one on the book as well. So, okay. The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern is a fantasy novel set in a magical circus where two powerful magicians set up a competition by proxy. Their proxies are their protégés who are who one is born with magical talent and the other one is taught magical talent. Hmm. That's the main little synopsis that so I have. So wait, they're for. having a competition? Yes. Between them, but it's they're not the ones fighting. It's their, like, apprentices, essentially. Correct. That's interesting. Also yeah. kind of reminds me of La Ueki, which I don't know if you ever read or watched. Mm-mm. <laughs> essentially, there's, like, a celestial world. Sorry to interrupt. But no, you're fine. Essentially, it's, like, a celestial world, and there is, like, a competition every however many years, like, 50, 100, whatever it is. Every year, couple years... And uh, it basically decides who's going to be the king of the celestial world. And they have a competition, but they're not the ones fighting. They pick a human from the human world and they give them a gift and they fight each other. And whoever wins is how they decide who's going to be the celestial king. That sounds sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have somebody else fight your battles for you. Also, they're teenagers. Woohoo. Of course. Why do I have adults with fully formed brains fight for you? That's no. <laughs> I'm also going to read the first half of what's behind the book because I just like how it's how it is. It, this is what caught my attention when I first read this book years ago. Okay. I'm ready. So. <laughs> the circus arrives without warning. No announcements precedes it. It's simply there when yesterday it was not. Within the black and white striped canvas tents is an utterly unique experience full of breathtaking amazement. It is called Le Cirque de Reeves and it is only open at night. Is it? <laughs> that sounds super like again it's, it has that air of mystery because it's so, you're like, yes yeah you're like oh there's just a circus that popped up overnight also it's only yeah. open at night what's that this about line is literally the circus arrives without warning and they even 
start the book with that line. And I'm just like, where did it come from? Why is it there? I need to know. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it, it is. It's definitely that mystery. So good. It's like immediately that caught me from it because just the night circus. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Like, does it open only at night? Which it does. And what goes on in it? The cover is this gorgeous silver, black, white, and red yeah, I've picture, seen it several times. I see it yeah. like every time I go to the bookstore, I'm like, I'm going right to look there. for that. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to buy it yet. Yeah, it it recently got like a resurgence on book talk, if you will, mm. which I, I love for it. I read it when it first came out in 2011. I was senior in high school. Gosh. <laughs> and it stuck with me for that long. Like I, I know I love a book if. I can still talk about it almost 10 years later, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, let me get to why I love this book. So my talking points. This is one of the most beautifully written books I have ever read. The author, I can tell just I, by the summary. <laughs> yeah, the author has such an amazing writing style. It's it, To me, it's a unique writing style because I personally haven't read any other book that's similar or that, I mean, no, I'm, I'm lying. I've read books that are similar, but, like, not in her writing style. Like, I get similar mm. feelings when reading other books. But, like, the way that she writes, I feel, is very distinct, in a sense. Her prose is extremely gorgeous and expressive. There are such details in her books, and every time I read her work, I discover something new. Her works are very long. Like, I, both the books that I have of her, she only has two right now, they're, like, 500-plus pages. And I've read them multiple times, but every time I read them, I'm like, this is a detail I don't remember, or it, I'm just seeing it in a different light, you know? Yeah. And it's, I've never really had that experience with a book before. And I feel like that's, it's very easy for me to get that in like most fantasy books, because a lot of the books, fantasy books are very big on their world building. So, mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure your audience understands what's going on. But I feel like with her writing, it's just like something new is there every time, even though this book is almost a decade old. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is a decade old. And I'm still like, oh my gosh, I don't remember this little detail from when I read it the first time or the second time, which catches me by surprise I all the time. I adore <laughs> that about it. <laughs> my second main point is, although the main story is a competition between these two magicians, and even magicians is like not the correct word that really that they want to call themselves but yeah for the sake of the audience if you will they are magicians the night circus also has like stories within stories that are all interwoven and connected to each other uh, i love those it's so <laughs> so good it's so smartly written without giving like too much away it is a non-linear story which you discover as you're reading it even though I kind of just spoiled it a little bit but there's a reason for it and it's very interesting so the journey okay. of these stories and how they connect is just so smartly done in my opinion they each have a purpose as to why they are included and how they impact the main plot of the story okay and I think that's part of why I discover something new every time because of how these stories are told and what they add to what the overall story of the night circus is yeah that makes sense okay no i love that i love when there's like a b plot and a c plot but they're also just as important as the a plot 
Yeah, because like all of the characters intermingle with each other, not all at the same time, obviously, but they all meet each other essentially, and why they meet each other is important to the inner goings of this magical circus. Yeah, because it's kind of like one of those things, or maybe it's like a device where you know something will happen later on. And you're like, wait, didn't they talk about this before? Exactly. And then it makes completely. you like go back and like, oh, that was important. Something that's seemingly not important. And then you're, it just, it lends itself to clues. Like to, the Easter eggs is what I'm looking exactly. for. Exactly. Yes, Easter, Easter eggs. eggs. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of them in this. And you don't click them until, not even the end, because some of them connect in the middle of the story. Mm. Some of them will connect later on. And you're just like, oh, wait, that makes so much sense now. Where did I see this before? And those Easter eggs, I think that the way that Erin Morgenstern put these through her stories are just so intricately and beautifully woven. As you can tell, I really love this author. <laughs> I love this work. Um, and it's just, and like the way that she just describes her books, not her books, but like the way she describes scenes and actions is just amazing. My third talking point, excuse me. The story itself is very dreamlike which is apt since the circus is called the Cirque de Reeves or the Circus of Dreams. It's not actually called the Night Circus, surprisingly enough. That's fair, because why would yeah. you do that? Yeah, right? Exactly. Like, oh, Adds to the, the mystery. Night. Let me call it the Night Circus. But no, <laughs> the Circus of Dreams also makes a lot more sense because like, you, you dream when you're asleep and you sleep at night for the most part. So mm. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. But the way that she writes, it's very atmospheric and expressive, like I said before. And you kind of lose yourself if you will in, mm. my, in my opinion that, that at least I did no so, I like when you can lose yourself in yeah. a book I know this is not anywhere close to this but honestly this is kind of how it was when I read to all the boys I love before okay I watched the movie I convinced every single person I knew that they needed to watch it because it was such a cute rom-com yeah. and then I got the book at Target and I read it in a day <laughs> and that says a lot because I worked that day <laughs> You're like, I, every single break, I'm going to read this book. Yeah, I read it on the bus. I don't read stuff on the bus because it makes me feel nauseous. Mm, but you need to know. Yeah. Well, and I, I know that's that like super silly, them. but. <laughs> no, it's not silly. Maybe I really needed that fluff at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get that a lot with this book because this book itself is about 500 or so pages. And I read it relatively quickly. Cause, because I, I, like I said earlier, like you lose yourself so completely into this book. Mm. And for a book that is this long, it took me a short time to read it. Yeah. But I also, when I reread it, I'll slow down a little bit, like I said, so that I catch things that I may have missed before because I'm oh, always yeah. discovering something new. And I think this book is perfect for that because it doesn't feel like a fast read because of how thick the book is. But it flows so well that you're just like, oh, you're done. Yeah. In a sense, for this book, I really hated because I wanted so much more. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to keep reading it. Like, it's the story itself is just so good. (laughs) Yeah. I will say, though, as a an avid book reader and collector that having a one shot is kind of nice (laughs) because it's no valid, not common these days. And that's actually what I did with. The book I was originally going to do, it was a one-shot, 
-hmm. But I think the way, especially the way the ending had happened, I feel like it would have been better as a series. I appreciated it being a one, like a one shot because then I only read the one book, but I wanted more from it. And I thought the ending was really rushed. So I really wanted it to be at least two or three books. Got it. See, that's actually one of my, my, my wrap up points besides losing yourself completely in the book is that it is a standalone so you don't have to worry about sequels or reading other books to understand what happens in this book yeah because it's so the book itself is like books within books which is kind of a trope that Erin has which I will bring up later on (laughs) so like you can read it for the other book she wrote yeah like you can read it by itself but it has stories within not stories within stories, but like multiple stories happening at once. So you're not reading the same story the entire book. Yeah. Which I think is gorgeous. I love that, especially with fantasy novels, because so much can happen in these worlds and only having one perspective can leave it a bit dull. Yeah. Which you I don't think, want. Yeah. I think that's the same thing like I felt when I was reading Almost There, when they switched chapter perspectives. And I think this, again, this probably has a lot to do with the fact that we really like anime and manga because it's not always yeah. from one person. Like, you have a main character. But yep. then, like we were talking about My Hero earlier, sometimes you'll switch over to this battle or you switch over to that. Like, it's not, you always know what's happening with multiple people. And it all is part of the same quote-unquote story. Yeah. But we just, and yeah, I think it has a lot to do with that. Because I like getting the different perspectives because just having the same person's storyline all the time is kind of boring exactly (laughs) that's literally it so my last i guess big wrap-up point would be is that i think for this fantasy book it's a nice break from a lot of action-driven fantasies okay so for me personally when i read a fantasy book a lot of that i read are very much action-driven because, you know, you have this fantastical world, so there's just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. And this one doesn't have that. There aren't, like, big quests, epic battles, epic journeys, you know. Which it's you very think much... would be the opposite, considering they're in a competition with each you other. You would think, completely. But the, it's very subtle okay. with how they do this competition. Because for most, without giving too much away, for some of the book one of the competitors isn't aware that they're in a competition. Oh, that's whereas interesting. The, yes, whereas the <laughs> other one does. And it's very interesting to see how they both... No, I'm lying. The, they both know they're in a competition. The other one doesn't know who their competitor is. There we go. Okay. Sorry, let me yeah rephrase that. So it's very interesting because one has knowledge that the other one doesn't. So they're fighting, not fighting per se, but they're competing against each other. But it's interesting to see their different approaches because one has knowledge on who their competitor is where the other one doesn't and they're just reacting to their competitor's moves on the board. Mm. And the board is the the circus itself, which is such a great setting if you think about that it. That is so <laughs> interesting because I thought they were battling, not battling, but battling each other face to face. Not really. Well, so that is interesting. You don't have to tell me yeah. more because I now yeah. I just I'm more and more curious because now I want to. Re- I mean, I already wanted to read it because it's he recommended so it. Yeah, but it's, just, it's so. Yeah, they they don't for the most part are aware of who's fighting. Well, one does and the other one doesn't. So it's interesting to see the reactions of the competitors because one is like, I can make this move. They don't know it's me, and the other one's like, Oh, that's an interesting move. How do I counteract that? So while they're also competing. 
they're trying to figure out who their competitor is because there's so many, not so many, but there are many people in the circus to keep the circus running in general that could be their possible competitor. And they mm. don't know for quite some time in this in the story because when they find out that's like the second half and it, the story is still very, very good, it gets there. Cool. But yeah, but like because it is like a competition, it is a very slow burn kind of competition there aren't a huge chunk of epic battles wild chases unlike the current book i'm reading (laughs) but this book is is very subtle in its fantasy and it's very surreal it has nice touches of surrealism which is like one of my favorite art genres if you will cool so i love that about this book but it's just it's fantasy but it's not in your face magic magical beings dragons epic battle fight swords fantasy <laughs> which i do enjoy i do enjoy those very much so yeah we just had but a this, conversation about dragon <laughs> yeah but this exactly but this is a different type of fantasy it is it's based in surrealism but also in some realism because like i said the setting is a circus but they do use like real world places in the world it, yeah yeah lisa okay. okay but that is a big it also has so many great quotes because I I mean to me because I think her writing is so gorgeous and they're like simple things like out of context but when you read them in context you're like yo what I have so many quotes in this book like highlighted because I want to get me all the little tabs you have in your book so many tabs because I'm like oh I would love to have this tattooed on my body whenever I get my book theme tattoo yeah because like I love like some of what she says <laughs> yeah and like when I say them out of context people are just like okay cool that's fine but I'm like when you read the book and read where they are in the book it makes so much sense and has a deeper impact yeah in my opinion as I say but I gush about this book a lot so I'm, I could also be looking at it in <laughs> rose-colored glasses because I'm like this is one of the best books ever written I love it <laughs> I also know disclaimer it is not for everyone okay I recently discovered this because like you said how you read on goodreads and you were reading the reviews for this book i never did that most books that i read i don't read the reviews for them i don't usually either but i was trying to think of things that i could use as like a resource i was like why don't i look up some reviews i it's well i'm like i i because most books that i read if i read the reviews for them i'll find reviews that i don't like or that convince me not to read the book so i don't Mm trust myself to not take that for the word because well, like and that's exactly why I didn't do the reviews yeah. until and, like, after I finished have, the book yeah people would have like really crappy reactions to a book which is what this is their prerogative and then I could maybe read the book and be like oh well I didn't feel that at all in fact one of my favorite books I that I love I know is doesn't have some I mean it, it's a very popular book and a lot of people love it but then the people who don't like it really don't like it no, and I'm just that's like, totally fair. That's how I feel yeah. about movies. I don't. Yeah, and I'm like, listen you're to allowed to have movies. your opinion, but it's just yeah. like, it kind of hurts me in a sense where I'm like, I desperately love this book. I relate to it so much that yeah. when other people talk bad about it, I'm like, like it's not my book. I'm not the author, so it shouldn't hurt me as much. But I'm like, <laughs> I get a but little. But it's something offended. you really like. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what? You're allowed to not like a thing. I'm allowed to enjoy it, but I'm not gonna let your negative feelings towards it impact me in a yeah. sense like I'm still you're I'm still gonna like things like let people like things you know let people yeah. enjoy things there are plenty of books out there that I've read 
or the authors that I've read that I don't like and I'm just like this is not my thing but I'm not gonna go out and tell people yeah you shouldn't read it because I don't like it you know unless it's like problematic and harmful then I will literally be like please don't contribute to this author getting more money press or whatever because what they write could be harmful I went on a tangent where was I going with this (laughs) I'm so sorry uh, oh yeah um, everybody I don't can like what read, they like yeah and which I don't is also read... kind of the premise of this podcast exactly um like what so I don't like, read and it's okay um, for you to like what you like the the reviews essentially there are books where I've I'll read the reviews after I read the book like you did with uh, almost there but for this one I just I when I first read it I just loved it so much that I was like oh no one could possibly not like this book yeah and I've been reading it on and off again for 10 years and then book talk is now resurging people not researching book talk is now a big thing and people are reading more and this book is getting another resurgence in popularity and then more people are seeing it so there are people who like don't like her writing style or thought the book moved too slow and I never thought of that because I was like oh I never thought that that would be a thing because I'm like I don't think that way but you know obviously I'm I can't speak for everyone they can all like the books that they like so yeah It wasn't until, like, recently where I actually started seeing more reviews on this book. Mm. Because, like, the book is so popular that it got special editions. It had a 10-year edition that I'm just like, how could could a book like this not be loved if it's constantly getting reprinted and new stuff? Not new stuff to the book is being added, but when it gets reprinted, there are, like, author interviews included or, you know, things like that where I'm like, a book is so loved and then people don't actually like it. Yeah. which is still a valid thing it's just to me that was like a concept that I just wasn't really like oh yeah that exists because like every other book I can see that with but for this one I was like no that doesn't exist what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but like I said the for a disclaimer for some people it's not a book for everyone I will admit that her writing is just not for everyone it is for me I it's a very romantic type of writing and I love it that's I mean that's the way I can describe it. it's a romantic type of, of writing if you will yeah so yeah, so going into that, I just give people the warning that you may or may not like it. I genuinely think people will. You know, her prose is just different. She's not, she doesn't write like a lot of writers out there, in my opinion. So give it a chance. It's a beautifully written book, gorgeous scenes. I adore it. And I think so many more people will if they don't already, considering how popular it is. Yeah. Well, it's definitely on my list because of you. And I hope that almost there I mean you did say that it was on your list as well so I guess it works out yeah Farah Roshan is an author I've read before I read her rom-com The Boyfriend Project I actually have her other not other her most recent rom-com called The Hookup Plan and I have that that I have been waiting for like as soon as I saw the synopsis I was like this is a book that I know I'm gonna love tropes that I very much enjoy and I'm gonna I'm here for it because I really enjoyed The Boyfriend Project so yeah. I'm super excited to read that. And when I found out she was writing Almost There, I was like, okay, since I loved her rom-coms, I'm going to probably buy Almost There. I, I don't have any of the Twisted Disney books because a lot of times those type of stories, I don't like their takes on mm. the classic Disney stories, <laughs> even though Disney stories itself are different takes of these classic st- of stories. But <laughs> yeah. most of them I don't like. But I did plan on buying almost there and then there was another one called tale as old as time because it's the beauty and the beast one because Belle is my yeah. other favorite princess but I if i read that. that and i like it i'll probably like give the others more of a chance but i knew for a fact i was going to read this one i was like she's going to get my support even if i get none of the others i'm buying that one <laughs> yeah 
I will say the first one I bought was Reflection, which is the Mulan one. Yeah. I have not read that one, but I also have the Go the Distance. That one looks interesting, one. too. Yeah. My roommate said that it was really, really good. She really enjoyed it. And it's a lot thinner than the other one. So I feel like it would be a, a relatively fast read. And then the other one I have is, oh, goodness. I forget what it's called, but it's the Rapunzel one. Oh, oh. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I've seen it because Gothel's on the front, right? No. Is it not Mother Gothel? No, there's other Twisted Tales-ish. Oh, maybe there's I'm like, of the villain like the, one. Yeah, there's like the Twisted Tales, which is still from the hero's perspective. And then there's those other reverse stories that have the villains on the front. Except I think for the Beauty and the Beast one, Beast is on the front. Yeah. Oh, but, What Once Was Mine. Yes, What Once Was Mine. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I had to look it I up because I was like, one. I know what these are. Yeah. And I bought that one, which actually I'm going to say that's a great segue into my recommendation because my recommendation is a Rapunzel-based book. Beautiful. So my recommendation is called Grounded, The Adventures of Rapunzel by Megan Morrison. And I'm going to do the same thing I did with Almost There. I'm going to read the summary from the book. So it says, you know the tower, the hare, and the witch, but in the land of time, that's just the start of the story. Rapunzel has never visited a fairy court or won a jacks tournament or slept under the stars. She hasn't outwitted a stalking beast or made a friend or adopted a very op- <laughs> a very opinionated frog. She- <laughs> that part is funny. She knows only her enchanted tower, which obeys her every command, and her wonderful witch who guards her against evil princes far below. Beautiful, beloved, and innocent, Rapunzel can't imagine a happier life. But when a thief named Jack climbs into her tower, that happy life breaks open forever. Because Rapunzel learns then that witch is a... T- oh, goodness. <laughs> because Rapunzel learns then that witch is in terrible danger. And to keep her safe, she must leave her tower and journey with Jack on a quest far across time. There she finds a world filled with even more peril than witch promised. And more magic, wonder, and excitement than she ever dreamed. So essentially, to put this in sort of layman's terms, Hmm. Rapunzel lives in her tower with witch. It's not like the Disney version where she calls her like mother that that is her mom. She knows that she's a witch. She calls her witch. But the tower is like magical, just like I said in the summary that it obeys her every command. You know, it's, it's very magical. It's there to care for her. The witch is there to care for her. And she talks about the outside world as a very dangerous place, which, you know, it is. Mm -hmm. But then the only reason she leaves the tower is because she thinks her witch is in danger. And when she gets to the ground, a.k.a. the, you know, the the book being called Grounded, that's when she discovers, you know, that you need money for things that, you know, you have to wear shoes because the dirt is grimy and gross and you can get, you know, stuff stuck in your feet. You know, she has to carry around her hair, which has always been like well maintained and taken care of. She discovers all these things while traveling with Jack. You know, she she enters a Jack's tournament, which is really cool because she's really good at playing Jack's, which I think is a fun little thing because you don't really think about the game of Jack's anymore (laughs) because it's such an old game. But, you know, it's it's just there's so many things. And you also learn a little bit about Jack and Jack in this story is from Jack and the Beanstalk. Interesting. Yeah. So, and the land of time is like the the world of this story, and it's broken up hmm. into different kingdoms, and all the kingdoms are different colors. It's just so 
interesting the way they portray it because, you know, her witch is she cares for her. She loves her. And the witch, you know, has always loved her. She's never it's not like in the Disney movie where she's just like constantly gaslighting her. It's not like <laughs> that at all. It's very much it's a very like love relationship, but it's not like, oh, you're my mother. It's not like that. Yeah. I will admit, I think if I remember correctly, because it's been a minute since I read this book, it can be a little slow to start. But it also is so interesting. It keeps you want to to know what this world is about. Because as Rapunzel's traveling, it's a safe, it's that device where they use where as she's learning about things, you, the audience, are learning about things. And I also really like when people do that. Yeah. So, yes, that is my recommendation. Okay. It's I have. Book. I love it. <laughs> it I sounds very good. I actually, yeah. I was like, I've never really been interested in like, Rapunzel stories, but that sounds amazing. I, yeah, I mean, you know, Rapunzel is one of my two favorite princesses. And yeah, yeah, when I read this book, I was like, this is like such a fast, I wish this was a movie or an animated series. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I'm going to add that to my never ending TBR because that is my life. That sounds, (laughs) I'll probably read it with almost there. Yeah, (laughs) do it. Highly recommend. All right. right. So I have three recommendations. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I was able to narrow it down to one, ma'am. Well, technically, I more so have two, but I put a third one just because. So I felt like if people <laughs> wanted more like circus-themed books, or not circus-themed, if people wanted more circus-setting books, mm-hmm. I recommend Water for Elephants by Sarah Gruen. Ah, I read that book also in my senior year in high school. I think I read these two books around the same time. I actually want to say I read Water for Elephants first and then I needed more circus thing. But one of my classmates was reading it and he was a classmate that I never really saw read a lot. So I was like, what are you reading? So he told me about it. It's a very, very good book set in the 1930s. It's about Jacob Jankowski, who was recently orphaned. And he goes, he kind of like hijacks himself onto a traveling circus and becomes their like vet, if you will. And while he's there, he falls in love with one of the performers, Marlena who unfortunately is married to the owner? Is he the owner? Yeah. 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 Owner of the circus. And the owner of the circus is not a good person. So it just shows their story. But it's very nice. The good cast of characters, a nice circus setting if you want something in that. Or if you want something, if you, after you read The Night Circus, which everyone should read, if you want something with similar writing and how atmospheric writing and expressive beautiful writing i would recommend the invisible life of Ida larue by v.e schwab another v.e schwab yes she's very big in her fantasy bag but her writing is also very atmospheric and expressive and gorgeous another slow burn type story and this one's about a young woman who bargains her life with a i don't really want to call him the devil but like a, a god, if you will, that only like comes out at night. And she, not unfortunately, but kind of unfortunately, has the ability to now live forever. But she is unfortunately forgotten by everyone she meets. And it mm. stays this way for about 300 years until she meets a man in a bookstore and he remembers her name. And then that tells their story. It's beautifully written. It, it's beautifully written. I loved, I loved it. This was actually the first V.E. Shrub book I read. And after Mm. this book, I bought more of her work. Her writing is also gorgeous. And then her last, my last last recommendation would be Erin Morgenstern's sophomore book called The Starless Sea. 
Another disclaimer for this book. It is very, very big on vibes. The plot is kind of convoluted. It does have a plot. A lot of people say it doesn't, but I do believe, at least in my experience reading it, it does have a plot. But it's very big on vibes. It's a story about stories about stories. Fabulous. It is a I have boy. that book because uh, it sounded super interesting. And that's when you told so me about the Night Circus because it's by the same person. That one, I I was afraid I wasn't going to like this much as much as the Night Circus because of how much I love it. But the Starless Sea has quickly become another one of my favorite books. Yeah, I just think because I love Erin's writing so much. And as a bookworm, a book about stories about stories is just right up my alley. <laughs> Yeah, it's also about like a hidden library, which is just so freaking cool. The motifs that are through it and the imagery you get from her from her stories. And she kind of has like little fables intertwined in them. It's just it's such a she's such a brilliant writer. I love her. I love her work so much. It's just so good. I love these novels so much that I want different versions of these novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some unrequited merch for this one. Oh gosh. <laughs> is it that it's, like the what is it the collector whatever it was with like the stained yeah. edges? So for both the Night Circus and the Starless Sea Waterstones is coming out with other editions, alternate editions of them that have like a couple of more content and I'm going to pre-order those because I want those content those additional contents and they have different covers, but the Night Circus has so many different versions of this book and I want every single one. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one I ever saw was the Illumicrate version, and I had never heard of Illumicrate until I heard of this special edition. And this version is gorgeous, and I de- I think I actually found a relatively priced version of it, so I might end up buying it sometime soon. But it's so pretty. And then Erin herself partnered with this. Well, she partners with like all of them to you know do her books and stuff. But she partners with this company called Book Illustrated. And they made this gorgeous collector's edition, three versions that have like original art and letterpress printing. And it's like $1,500. Oh no. <laughs> and if I had, like, the, because there's three versions, there's like the. So wait, is it $1,500 for all three of them? No. $1,500 um, each? So each of the versions will have like original artwork. But they have the deluxe leather-bound edition, and they only made 250 copies of this. Oh, it's limited Um, quantity. That's Very limited quantity. Gotcha. Which is the small, not the small, but the least expensive one. That one's like $500, I want to say. The prestige lettered edition is, they only made 26, one for each letter. And that's the like $1,500 version. And then there's like the collector's cloth bound edition. They're all made by the same company, but these editions, they only made, I think, oh, 580 is what they say on their website of these books. And they each, they're like handmade letterpress, these original artwork signed by the illustrator and the author. And they are so freaking pretty. <laughs> and I wish, this is like one of the few times where I wish I was just so rich that I can just throw money at anything. Because this would be like a collector's piece that I would just, I would read it once because I just adore this story, but I would probably never open it ever again. Yeah. The artwork does it so much justice. And this version of this book is just, this book needed this version. It's just so pretty. And I wish, 
I desperately wish I had the money to get it because I stalked it. I even signed up for like the newsletter knowing I wouldn't be able to afford it. But I was like, I need to know just in case if there was some way in in life that I could afford it. But I'm like, you're more than my rent. So I just can't justify you. Yeah. And I just don't have it. But if I did and I had no other financial worries, I would have purchased this book. It is so pretty. (laughs) And I'm so in love with it. And I want it so badly. So I will, since since I can't get it, I'm just going to see if I can find the Illumicrate version, which that's not being sold by resellers at astronomical prices. That's fair. You know, I just, when I love a book so much that I have multiple copies of it, I, I know it's a problem. No, that's fair. You, Lisa, you do not have to justify your means to me because I'm the same way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's probably, if anybody that's listening is a super big book lover, you're probably on the same wavelength. Like, yeah. sometimes if you really love a book, you just have multiple copies. Yeah. And I like the additional stuff that comes in it because it's like, sometimes there'll be like annotated chapters. And I like looking at the process of the author when they're thinking about what they're, what they're writing at that moment, you know, mm-hmm. or it'll have artwork and I'm like I envision this character one way but the author or the artist envisioned them another way it's just things like that that I'm just like makes reading so cool yeah (laughs) and book collecting so much fun because these different interpretations of the characters that we all grow to love are just great to like discuss and see and share yeah and I just I I love it But yeah, that's my uh, slight rant of The Night Circus, and everyone should read it. Book Illustrated, if you're listening, please send me a copy of the $1,500 book. I would love it. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Yeah, okay. That's definitely going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I think you will enjoy it. It's very, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, luckily the, the paperback is small. Yeah. If you recommend something to me, I take it seriously. So that's why I put it on my list because you recommended it to me on my never-ending TBR list. It will stay (laughs) for a while. Yeah. We have so many recommendations because we love books so much, but I'm just going to wrap it up and we're going to talk about our plugs. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can follow me, Cassie, on Twitter and Instagram at SassyKCreates. And you can follow me, Lisa, on TikTok and Instagram at bway underscore baby 425. And if you have any respectful thoughts, feelings, rebuttals of your own, if you really are one of those people that Lisa talked about that didn't like the Night Circus, (laughs) or if you are one of those people that didn't like this Twisted Tale, Tiana's Twisted Tale, as much as you maybe liked another one, then let us know. We are excited to hear what you have to say. And perhaps... You know, even if you have something that you want us to be as obsessed with as you are, you can visit my website, which is actually live. <laughs> it Woo! is up. It is sassycassie.com, where this <laughs> podcast and all other manners of the abyss have gathered. I should say that there is a recommendation tab on my page, and that is just where if you want us to be obsessed with something, you can go to the recommendations tab is what I'll say for that. Yes, please give us recommendations. We are always looking for more. Not that we don't have a million things to read or recommend it to us, but I want to know what people who actually bother to listen to us and continue (laughs) to listen to us, what you guys have to say, what you recommend. I want to know. Lastly, if you would like to support me, Cassie, you can look at my YouTube, which is Sassy Cassie. Also, my Patreon is officially up, which is also under Sassy Cassie. And you can leave a review or leave a review. You don't have to do all those things. (laughs) You could 
go to my YouTube, you could go to my Patreon, or you could also leave a review. Any one of those things, you don't have to. But if you wanted to, <laughs> you could. I'm curious. I'm anxious to get our first review if we ever get one. Yeah, I want to know. They're probably yeah. saying Cassie is way better than Lisa because it's true. No. I also, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know so much more format. than mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. I just think that sometimes when I think about our format, I'm like, is this working? Is this okay? Is this <laughs> fine? Somebody tell me. <laughs> Annie Hoots, thank you all again for being a part of the conversation and hearing us out. Thank you.